0: Being the ruler of your reality means that, A, you understand what you stand for as a person. So your personal values, not the society values, not your friends and family and, you know, your tribe's values, your personal values are. So you understand that and you have a think of what you need to do and to have what kind of situations, what kind of circumstances you need to manifest your truth, to grow
1: Welcome back to the Career Therapy Podcast, where we help you navigate the emotional and promotional sides of the job search so you can change careers with confidence. My name is Martin McGovern, founder and lead coach at Career Therapy, and I'm excited to introduce our guest today. Please welcome J.H. Tepley to the podcast. J is the author of Unbreakable Entrepreneur. She's an international speaker and is a passionate mental health advocate. She helps entrepreneurs overcome depression through her proven masculine geared system. And Jay has also been featured in The Guardian, The Jeremy Vine Show, and BBC One. Today, we question the current state of the conversation around masculinity, how to avoid falling into the guru trap, and what work is necessary to remove or replace unhealthy images of success with something more individually fulfilling. Thank you for tuning into this episode and supporting our show. Please like, subscribe and share and enjoy this conversation as we talk with J.H. Tepley. Jay, thanks so much for joining us. Um to kick it's things my off, pleasure. yeah, absolutely. And and you know, you've done a lot of work in, you know, the in this world of masculinity and depression and anxiety and all these things that are becoming larger and larger issues in our professional lives and our professional worlds and I'm kind of curious you know just to kick things off how would you describe the current state of masculinity and mental health in the working world today oh starting with the biggest question just kicking right in wow
0: yeah exactly (laughs) start big uh, i don't think uh, the current situation is good in fact i think it's probably the worst it's ever been and in my opinion masculinity in modern society in the times we live in is not supported and um, i my personal feeling is it's actually being attacked and trying um it's almost like there are forces that are trying to eradicate the concept of masculinity from our society altogether. And I don't think it's right. And I also think that guys deserve more support on their journey and more guidance, which is something I don't think they're getting enough. And I don't think they're getting it in the right way either. So it's no wonder that male Uh, rates of suicide and depression are double those of female because men do need a path, a set of steps, action steps to achieve their goals and in my observation women are much more confident in a place of having no or little guidance because women in general tend to have strong intuition and they're able to navigate just using that internal voice. Whereas with men, is not necessarily the case. So many men, obviously we all have intuition, male and female, we're all living beings. But there is a big difference in the way the male mind and the female mind processes reality. And because of that, when the male mind uh, needs guidance and structure, and if it doesn't get it, if it doesn't receive it the right way, if it doesn't receive it on time, then that person may feel really trapped, which leads to depression, which leads to the feeling of abandonment, uh, of loss and of being lost in life in general.
1: Yeah, and that sort of feeling of being lost, I, you know, I see it a lot in my work and, you know, there's every, you know, there's struggles on every side, you um, And it, you know, it's good to always be thinking about where you're at with things and whatever you're going through, but also to be, you know, open-minded and empathetic towards others, right? And everyone's kind of going through a different piece. And when you say, um, you know, that it's not just that there's not support, that it's actually potentially being attacked. What are those attacks? What what are you seeing? What does that look like in the work that you're doing?
0: Well... Uh, without going too much into um, any political discourse mm-hmm. and the idea of uh, vocalism and some such, I would say, obviously, that exists and that's really strong. Uh, but on a, even on a general level, many people seem to have lost the idea of what masculinity really entails and how it's different as a principle from the feminine. And because of that, I've noticed that many men on their journey to, you know, become a better man. And there are lots of courses and there are lots of, um, I would say, programs and boot camps uh, that claim to make you a real man. But I've noticed all they do is they tell you exercise a lot. Uh, they tell you to honor your brothers and they basically tell you, I was talking to someone who isn't one of those men-only masterminds. And he said, well, we exercise a lot. We wake up at six to run through the mud and do all those traditionally, stereotypically masculine things. And then uh, we also do the spiritual thing. And I said, well, what's the spiritual thing? And he said, it's all about just feeling love. And I was like, Okay. Um, It's important, you know, I'm not, I'm not discarding it, but there is a lot more to self-development and to masculinity than that. And so given this kind of parameters, many people still feel lost because I've noticed that, especially with self-development, masculinity is never, I would say, on the menu. And in fact, many courses and the way spirituality is being taught in our society right now is primarily geared towards women towards the feminine perception of reality and i'm not saying that there is something wrong with that it's great for the right person but for men in particular when they're exposed to this kind of uh, techniques and this kind of uh, view of reality what it does unfortunately it brings them down because it pulls them further away from their masculine core. And many people don't realize that because usually when people go to spirituality, they're rarely in a good place. They usually go there because something feels off because they're depressed, because they've lost someone they loved because they just feel emptiness inside. And so they go to spiritual realms, to self-development realms, looking for answers. And usually when they're in that place, they're vulnerable. They're in their learning mode. So they would accept whatever is presented to them. And they don't question whether it's right for them or not. Because obviously, you know, there is all this power of authority and everyone else says that this is the way to do it. And there are lots of gurus, and lots of celebrities that say the same things. So it's really hard to say, actually, I don't feel it's right. Uh, very few people ever question that. And so what happens is I think the situation is getting pretty bad in that regard because I've not so many guys actually getting weaker as people, as personalities through their self-development because they're being taught in a way that amplifies the feminine part. And with them amplifying the feminine part of their psyche leads to that masculine part diminishing even further. And for any person, getting away from their natural polarity from their natural core, as a, as a person, from their soul, leads to a huge, huge feeling of disempowerment. And when that happens, the soul, the core, starts disagreeing and resenting what the ego is doing. And that leads to depression, that leads to self loving to self-sabotaging um, actions, both in your personal life and in business. And so this is why we see so many people who go into spirituality and self-development and sometimes even become teachers themselves. But what they're not telling you is that how depressed they are and how miserable they are deep down. And occasionally you can see that in their eyes, in their faces, in the way they narrate their videos. And then, you know, every so often you hear that so-and-so spiritual or self-development teacher committed suicide. And you would think, well, it's impossible. You know, if they're teaching this stuff, surely they've got everything figured out. But because uh, the current form of self-development is damaging man so much, this is why it happens.
1: Yeah, I like that you called out that, you know, behind the scenes piece. Right. And it, it really, there's so many different levels to this, from the spiritual, to the personal development, to the social media, to all the different pieces together. Right. Yeah. And one of the things that you see all the time, you know, and, and there's, this is almost like a trope almost in the social media space is super successful people who seem to be crushing it eventually yeah. come out with this like video where they're like, and I'm super burnt out and depressed. And I'm so like, I need to take a break, everybody. But like a week and a half prior, they were like, I'm the best person and I'm crushing it. And everything is amazing. (laughs) And it's just like, it's this overemphasizing of like a certain way of being in the world. And that way of being is generally hyper-focused around achievement or around image or around identity or any number of different things. And You know, all of these things can be good to some degree, but when it becomes everything, I think that that's where people get into trouble. And what what you're calling out here of these, like, you know, people tend to seek this stuff out when they're in a rough spot, when they're feeling empty, when they're feeling down, and then they latch on to something that seems like an answer. And there's maybe nothing more scary than someone who claims to have the exact right answer, right? Um, But answers really need to come from within. And I think that that's one of the most interesting things about certain types of spirituality or certain types of coaching. You know, some people will be like, oh, I want to hire a career coach so that they can tell me what job to do. And that's not at all what a career coach mm. does. There's no, I could never answer that for someone else. My job is to help yeah. you strip things away and figure that out on your own. Um, but, you know, you want to get a workout plan or you want to get a spirituality plan. Oh, someone is there ready to bring you into their club, into their group, into their cult, yeah, whatever yeah, it might be. Like right. And so um, there's so much in what you've been putting out here that I think we can dive into. Um, but one thing in particular I want I want to touch on is just how like individualized a lot of this stuff needs to become, right? Um, mm-hmm. s- for some people, you know, working out can be a good thing. But if that becomes your entire spirituality, that can become a negative. And so where do you feel like some of these organizations do get it right? What are some of the things out there that you've seen that you're like, they have part of it, or they're like in the right direction, um, or maybe there's something good in there, but it just, you know, maybe it misses the mark in some other ways. What are some of the things that you would want to highlight that are going well in this conversation before we start critiquing it in, in further depth?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, I think uh, that people like uh, Wim Hof or Mark Devine are doing a lot of good work in this world. And I think uh, their work, in my opinion, the most solid out there, but it's not complete. So this is uh, this is like a trap. Like when they give you something really, really good, and you think, "Wow, this is awesome! I love it," and then there is a an important piece missing, and they don't know it themselves because I'm sure otherwise they would give it to you, and so for example with, with, with Mark divine, you can see if you look closely at his face, you can notice that there is a lot of sadness and weariness radiating from him, even though he's obviously a very strong guy and an ex marine uh, an ex navy seal but when you know when this crucial part is missing, even a really good training suddenly becomes something that drops you because If you are led to believe that something is awesome and something is complete and something gives you all the answers and you absorb it. And especially if you invest a lot of time and money into it. And then suddenly you discover that it's not quite right. Something is not quite right and you can't put a finger on it. And you feel usually that the problem is with you rather than with the system because everyone, it's, it's something so glorified that everyone says, you know, it's the most amazing thing ever. And so I think um, doing calisthenics and doing martial arts is super important. Like if you're not doing that, in my opinion, you will have difficulties fully developing as a person on some level. So yes, you can be awesome. You can be really nice. You can be a, an amazing being to, uh, to have around. But at the end of the day, there will always be something missing, some unlocked, untapped in potential. So I think that's super important to begin with. But at the same time, it's also important to know that our body is only one part of our system. And obviously, it's a very important part. (laughs) <laughs> because you know, if we don't if we don't look after our body, if we don't do what we need to do to keep it strong, then uh, we have a much harder time going through life. But at the end of the day, we are not the physical part of us. We are not just physical beings. We are spiritual beings at our core having this physical experience. And this perspective is very important to adopt for anyone who wants to live a healthy and fulfilled life. So what I'm uh, getting at is if you have everything in place for your physical well-being and perhaps for your mental well-being as well, but you don't have enough nourishment for your spiritual well-being for your energy well-being this is unfortunately where many people get trapped and get stuck and plateau and even get depressed
1: yeah and and i think that there's this really interesting thing that happens um, when people go out to find a guru right <laughs> they, yeah. they they find the one person that is resonating with them at that moment and almost build their entire life around it. And I've seen this happen in various ways with different, you know, guys in my life, or even myself in certain times of my life, where you sort of get hooked on an idea, and you want to see it through. So you you go really deep into that. And you don't see how it affects the full system of your life, right? And so, you know, the, the weird messages that are out there for men, it's, it's a lot of focus around removing things from your life. So, uh, yeah, the
0: minimalist movement. Yeah,
1: exactly. And it's, it's like, you don't need things. You don't need people. If they're, if they're not serving you, get rid of them. Uh, you like no fab, like all the different stuff that's out there, like all the messages for men, it's like, wake up at 5.00 AM, go to the gym. Don't need people. Don't need any, like, remove all pleasure from life and just make it like your tolerance of pain to be as high as possible. And yeah. And remember
0: you're going to die anytime soon. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Gary Vee, what's the one thing that you would tell me you're going to die. Oh, fun. Picture your parents, (laughs) picture your entire family getting shot in the face, like these really aggressive messages that again, there is always some kernel of, something to be gleaned or learned from all of these different things. And I guess maybe one of the things that I've learned over the years is like, it's important to find an idea or it's important to maybe cultivate a suite of ideas, like many different perspectives and try and pull the best from each rather than just putting all your eggs into a single basket. Right. Mm, if, I love if, that. yeah, if, if, you know, maybe you, mm. Tim Ferriss, maybe an older reference, but like if you love Tim Ferriss, that's great. But try and find people that are not like Tim Ferriss and learn from them as well, versus just the Absolutely. twenty Tim Ferriss clones that make your entire life that one thing, right? And so, Absolutely. when you're sort of breaking it down as this, you know, physical, mental, spiritual, right? You let's break it down into those three different areas. They shouldn't all be coming from the same person, right? Um, we should be getting a little bit from column A, a little bit from column B, a little bit from column C and maybe one of the, the biggest dangers of just focusing on a single person is we put them on too much of a pedestal and we start to believe all yeah. of their opinions and then start to yes. change ourselves to be that person. Like how many people just Must want to been. be, right. Be a Tim Ferriss clone. Right. And so,
0: yes, but as I've as seen you, that a lot.
1: Oh, so much. Like, I, I just saw someone, I've even had them on the podcast. They're just basically a Gary V clone now. And it's like,
0: oh. sure, fine. Okay, do your
1: thing. Like, I'm not going to judge you or hate you, but it's like, I hope you move past, I hope you move through that to a place where you find your own voice or find, you know, what works for you. And I think one of the things that we had talked about previously was this idea of cognitive dissonance, where if you put a certain version of your, like what you hope to be, or maybe even not even what you hope to be, but put someone else on a pedestal and say, I'm going to try and be them. It creates this cognitive dissonance between who you actually are and who you think you should be. And, you know, this idea of should comes up a lot in these conversations. So what is the cognitive dissonance that you're seeing and how does it get maybe, you know, blown out too big or like, what, what are the things that exacerbate that cognitive dissonance in your mind?
0: Right. Well, I would like to start from a story uh, that is uh, something from my personal experience. So many years ago, I, I used to have a student who learned from me, and then he went off to become a spiritual teacher in his own right and started having his own students. Some of them I knew. And the funniest thing and the saddest thing in the world was... I remember seeing those students when they just signed up and I remember seeing them say half a year or a year later after training with him and they all started looking like his literal clones. It was like a war of clones. Suddenly they started dressing like him. Uh, They started wearing the same kind of beads around the neck. Uh, They started even having the same kind of beard that he had. And it was extremely weird to see him surrounded by shorter and taller versions of himself. It was surreal. I remember it's just something, you know, something you never expect until you actually see it. And so it was my students. I always warned them against that. And I think one of the responsibilities of a true teacher is to recognize everyone else's unique gift and unique path and do your best to lead them towards that path on their own terms. So you're not imposing on them your own agenda, your own structure, your own ideas. You present them with the tools that they can use themselves to unlock that potential and the greatness within. And I think this is what is really missing in many of those spiritual schools, because just as you said, they, um, they bring their students to a point where they feel they're not good enough, and therefore they should clone and copy that teacher, that leader, that guru that they admire. And I think, an honest person would stop them right there and would say, you know what? I do appreciate you uh, liking me this much and it's great, but it can be so much more because the whole idea is that you outgrown your teacher, that you become someone your teacher is not because your teacher is a different person. So obviously what you can become, he or she, would never be and that is the whole point of uh, self-development and in the instances where it doesn't happen again depression kicks in because at the end of the day in many cases depression is ultimately a kind of mental inflammation where one part of the mind, which is the conscious mind, the ego, always chasing the the bling, always chasing social approval, always chasing whatever is the coolest thing right now with your core, with your soul that knows the truth, that wants you to develop on your terms and which feels frustrated and angry that it's not being heard and so these two parts the conscious and the subconscious part of your mind if they start the war this is where people's lives can get really miserable this is because if you have this internal war going on well firstly your energy uh will go straight down so your energy level will be really low because of that internal war sapping away all the energy from your system. So what you could have spent on your business, uh, on your relationships, going with friends, talking to your team and, and so forth. Now, all of that energy is being consumed uh, on that battle within your mind, because obviously the soul wants to do its thing and the sub- and the conscious mind tries to suppress and bully that part. And I believe that it's avoidable it's unnecessary and if only people knew especially as i said especially it concerns guys because many women although obviously women also get depressed but many women have hidden intuitive ways of getting back on track and with men it's much easier for them if they have an actual action plan and a set of steps to get somewhere you know some rite of passage of a kind. This is what we're missing in our society. So yes, I believe that a spiritual teacher or any teacher of self-development should focus on developing the unique gifts of their pupils and try to encourage them to discover their own greatness and cultivate it instead of being like a second best copy of someone else.
1: Yeah, I really like that you talked about outgrowing your teacher, right? And I think that that's such an important piece um, and not outgrowing, meaning be them and then do more than them. <laughs> it's outgrowing mm-hmm. by by not needing them anymore because you have the tools to figure it out on your own. Like I always say in my coaching, you know, of course success because I'm a career coach is that you either get a job or quit your job or start your little business or whatever the thing is, like whatever your goal is the goal. But really my goal at the end of the day is for you to not need me. And that I think is like something that a lot of gurus don't live by. They're like, no, you need me until you're dead. Like you need to keep coming back Mm -hmm. to me for a lifetime because you'll never be complete. You'll never be whole. You'll never be perfect. And to be honest, if you're doing these things, if you're creating that cognitive dissonance, if you're, if you're starting a war between your conscious and subconscious states, you are going to always need to be following someone or be getting advice from some like you'll never be able to just lay, lay back and trust yourself. And I think that,
0: absolutely dependency,
1: a hundred percent. Like and that's they sound the,
0: like they sound like the big pharma.
1: Yes. Oh my god, that's such a great analogy, right? Like we don't want to cure the disease; we want to just treat it forever. And mm. I think part of that is this achievement piece, right? And that's a huge message in the in the male space. Um, to your point, it's like having a roadmap and a plan to get somewhere. It's like, once you get a six pack, then you can start dating. Once you get, you know, uh, money, then you'll be like, but that that marker is always moving. And if you really think about it, it's like, okay, let's say today, you know, I'm in my early to mid thirties. I decide I'm going to get on that, that, that wheel to like get into incredible shape. And I go sign up for all the different, you know, hundreds of different websites that are out there for me to go get into crazy good shape. Eventually, you know, let's say I by the time I turn 40, I'm in incredible shape. But now I'm 40 and my testosterone levels change. And then now it's okay. Now you got to seek out the, the replacement therapies and then you got to keep, and then you're just fighting against age at that point. And there's never a time where you can just be yourself and like get off that wheel. Right. And I think that the same thing happens with career. It's like, there's always another job. There's always another business to start. There's always another dollar to make. Um, and it kind of prevents people from slowing down and asking themselves, do I even want these things? Is this really what I care about at the end of the day? And I like how you yeah. put it, your conscious mind is bullying you. Like a lot totally. of these, it does. Yeah, these things are set up to do that. It's like, if you don't get out of bed every morning, you know, excited to take on the day with Jocko, like you're just not doing it right. You're wrong. You're mm. failing. And then, you know, if you're not taking cold showers, which again, someone told me to take cold showers and I'm like, I've taken them they don't do anything for me. I don't know what the whole big deal is with these cold showers, but like certain things are great. And like, if they work for you, they work for you. But I also find it so funny how everyone's solution to every problem is you should meditate more or you should eat better. That's true though. Right. That's true. Like, it it doesn't even matter. More, yeah. Yeah. It's like, just meditate more. I'm like, yeah, well, sometimes meditation brings up some heavy trauma. Maybe you need to go to therapy or like, maybe you need, who knows? Um, maybe mm. you need friends. Like maybe that's what you're missing. <laughs> and so sometimes these like ambitions can actually hurt friendships or hurt things. If you're not doing them in a proper way. I remember when I very early on heard this phrase that you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. Yeah, and it was incredibly helpful in some respects because a lot of people I was hanging out with at the time were just, you know, maybe heavy drinkers and like, didn't have a whole lot going on. And it was good to push myself into better spaces with more ambitious people. But then I surrounded myself with people that were so entrepreneurially focused and ambitious that like they never slept and they were all on Adderall and they were all like doing all <laughs> this other stuff. And I'm just like, Well, that's not healthy either. So then you're like constantly bouncing between these groups until hopefully, eventually you get to a point where you can take a break. And I I like to use this phrase of um, instead of trying to become something, try to relax into who you are. Try to let go of things. And so how have you seen that play out in the folks you've talked to and, and encountered in your work? this difference between building up to become something and letting go to become who you are. And maybe there's you know positives and negatives in both, but what have you seen?
0: Well, there is a beautiful saying, which you might have heard of, that if you want to replace an old system, your efforts should not be focused on destroying that system, but on building a new one that would make the old system obsolete. So to me, letting go is just that. If you outgrow what you currently are, and you evolve into a form, into a state where you have very different priorities and very different outlook on the world, and very different and a very different conception of uh, a concept of reality, what will happen is that those things that you're struggling with right now may just fall off by themselves. And the easiest way to show how it works from real life is that, you know, when we grow up and we find, say, a toy in, in the loft that we used to absolutely love and we wanted that toy was all we had back then. And right now, you're looking at it and it doesn't mean anything. You're probably going to give it to some younger nephew or just give away to charity because you don't care about it because it doesn't mean anything to you right now. And this is not because you've been working really hard and literally tearing yourself apart to let go. No, you didn't. You just evolved into a person who this toy or this kind of games or whatever else you treasured in your childhood. is just not relevant anymore. And I think this is the most powerful way of doing it because every time someone tries to take away from their life or their experience something that they really value at the time, I don't believe it really works. And this is because, well, firstly, imagine if you absolutely love ice cream, like you can't live without ice cream. It's the best thing ever. And then you listen to all the gurus and they say, well, you know, you're never going to get ripped if you eat ice cream, you just have to cut it out. That's it and but this is like the best thing you you love your like your best food ever and now imagine imagine if you if you do try to do that right so what will happen with your mind is that uh, every time you don't eat ice cream that you love you feel resentful you feel sad on some level so that sacrifice is not giving you happiness which also means that it's unsustainable that at one point your willpower will end because willpower, as you know, is, um, is a resource that can be depleted if you use too much of it. And so especially if uh, several things happen in a row when you need your willpower or if you're really tired, if you're really fr- frustrated, you're just going to slip and then possibly hate yourself for it as well which is not helping on your self-development journey. So this is one thing. And another another really interesting psychological phenomenon is if you deprive yourself of something that you feel you really want and need, uh, it will trigger two things. Firstly, it will trigger a strange complex that is similar to a martyr complex where you feel that you are just like such a poor little being but at the same time you're a saint that you're so much better than anyone else and this is happening under the threshold of your subconscious of your conscious mind so most people have never uh, reached the actual glimpse of it so they don't know it's happening it's happening but they're unaware of it and this is why it's, it can be pretty bad so it actually boosts their ego in a bad way because it makes them feel that they are a lot better than everyone else because they're a martyr. And the martyr and the saint, by definition, is someone better than the rest. So this is one thing. It's a massive uh, and and really dark ego boost. And another thing is that (laughs) there was a psychological experiment that showed that people who did um, a good thing or what they thought was a virtuous thing Um, entered something called moral licensing. And one of the interesting experiments that they did was they placed really healthy, organic, sustainable food in supermarkets uh, right by the entrance. And they discovered that people who bought that food were less likely to then be helpful or charitable. Or for example, they were less likely to help someone um Who's fallen down, for example, in front of them? Uh, this is because in their mind, they were like, okay, we've done this really good thing already, so we don't need any more. And this can be really dangerous because moral licensing can go a long way. And it's really sneaky because it works, as I said, under the threshold of your conscious mind. And so, The problem with moral licensing is that if you feel that you're really good, and I mean you're forcing yourself to be really good in one area of life, you also give yourself permission, an an unspoken permission, to be bad in other areas. So it's been discovered that such people are more likely, for example, to cheat on their partners or to be not really honest in business negotiations or be not Quite moralist, right? In some other ways, because all their willpower went to to do this thing, and this is why I believe that taking something away from yourself on force uh, by force is not the best way to do it.
1: That's such a good way to put it. I'm glad you brought up that moral licensing piece because it really, it really does. It's crazy how quickly you see it happen. Um, you know, I've been in the entrepreneurial world for many years. And every time someone takes on a new like personal development experience experiment, you just sort of see these like this like glimmer in their eyes or like whatever it might be. And I'm I'm definitely been guilty of this before, too, where it's like you get a little bit of the I'm better than you because I take a cold shower. I'm better than you because I don't eat whatever I, you know, it's like, yeah and holier
0: than thou yeah Yeah. the
1: holier i've actually had that said to me by a family member once and i was like i'm glad they called me out on it because i was like in my early 20s and probably being a bit of a a d-bag and like there's there's this interesting um what what you're talking about here is again about that like martyrdom that self-sacrifice that it, it not only creates these more licensing saint complex kind of outcomes that hurt your environment and then make you even yeah. double down. Like that, that's what ends up happening, right? You annoy people, they don't want to be around you. And then you say, well, no one supports me. And then you double down on it and you can really end up self-isolating to a pretty bad degree if you go down that road too far. Um, and that's the external world, the community self-isolation. But also kind of what you mentioned before, you know, doing these things, punishing yourself, it, it, it really, it it can feel good to, to force yourself to do those things in the short term, but it can really create these really bad long-term outlooks on things, because like you said, the willpower and sustainability isn't there. And so let's say, all right, the carnivore diet, that's like a really big thing in the manosphere as they call it, right? Mm. Just, you know, eat carnivore and everything like that. And I remember, early in the pandemic, I was so bored. I was like, I'm just going to try a bunch of experiments. And I tried carnivore and Mm. I was like, you know, Hey, who doesn't want to lose a little bit of weight. Right. And I did it for however, I don't know, maybe a month or something like that. And Mm. yeah, it'll check all the boxes. It'll, it'll make you lose a bunch of weight. But I also hit a point where, um, it's, it wasn't even a willpower thing. It was a purely just physical reaction to the experiment where I made this like huge piece of salmon, this like from, you know, got really nice salmon from Whole Foods, made this big salmon. And I had eaten it over the course of like two or three days um, as I was just doing this like really extreme diet. And it got to the point where I couldn't even look at it anymore. I got so mm. sick of eating just carnivore. And to the point where then of course I revert, this is a problem with every diet, but you revert back to how you normally eat over, over after it ends. But now I was eating even worse because I couldn't stomach salmon anymore. And that used to be a normal, healthy part of my Mm day-to-day routine. And so like for a good few, maybe even a year after that, unless it was at a restaurant and prepared perfectly, I like, couldn't even look at salmon or certain kinds of meat. And that, that kind of rubber band effect that you talked about, I think this is also something that's really important to keep in mind. And the way that men are marketed to in this um, hustle, success driven culture is that, like, mental health and well being and being yourself will only ever come if you sacrifice yourself. But those sacrifices yeah. end up taking us further away from who we might actually be because we're replacing our actual needs with these imaginary challenges uh, that other people put in front of us. We interrupt today's episode to let you know about Career Therapy's Unstuck Coaching Program. If you're feeling paralyzed by job search procrastination and unsure of what to do next in your career, we're here to help. Each month as a member, you will get access to two one-on-one coaching calls, unlimited virtual chat with your coach via Slack, invitations to bi-weekly group coaching sessions, and lifetime access to our eight-part job search curriculum. Want to take your search to the next level? Head over to careertherapy.com and schedule a free 15-minute consultation to chat with me today and see if coaching is right for you now back to our show um, what are some of the ways that you think marketing specifically is is creating some really difficult situations for people to feel comfortable in right because you mentioned before it's like they they pose they, they pose this issue that you're failing at something and then offer you up a solution right and that's really marketing 101 right show them that there's a yeah, problem and then and then sell them your solution, right? Yeah, and so,
0: intensify the pain. Yeah.
1: So how are you seeing Show the, the pain be intensified? Like, What are the messages or what are the conversations that are intensifying that pain? Because maybe someone wasn't feeling something, but then they got stuck in a YouTube rabbit hole and now all of a sudden <laughs> they feel like they need to go do something crazy, right? What are, what are some yeah. of the things that you're seeing, some of the messages or tactics that we can be aware of and, and hopefully protect ourselves from?
0: Oh, I love this. Question. I love this question, and I love the youtube rabbit hole expression. So I would say one of the main uh, uh buttons that they press is, "Well, are you feeling mad enough? Are you feeling good enough?" and obviously, over ninety percent of people will say, "I actually don't feel quite enough, I don't feel." Uh, like I've accomplished, um, like i have rooted in my, in my polarity, in my masculinity, that I feel confident as a man. And most guys will dip down and say, "Actually, no, I don't." And if someone says, "Well, in that case, I've got a solution just for you. For only nine hundred ninety-nine month, you can," <laughs> and then a bullet point <laughs> list. Okay, so that is one of the main hooks and the thing is um it's actually true on one side uh this is because as i said if we try to live as purely physical beings and uh treat our spiritual development as a fancy add-on this is unfortunately what happens because the way we've been designed created is that we need to have uh, all these things in balance so our spiritual part and our physical part They need to be not just equal, but more like your right and your left hand or your right and your left leg. And imagine in a situation where, say you had a perfectly healthy body, but for whatever reason, there was a common consensus in society that you only use the left part of your body. You never use the right. It's just something you never do. And imagine how much more difficult it would be for you to get through the day. if you were only to use the right uh, or the left part of your body and so if you are being forced to live in uh, in a place like that in a state like that uh, normally you would feel really bad about it and you would feel that something is wrong and you would feel that you're capable of more of course right but with your physical body It's obviously really ridiculous to think about it. And it's really obvious, really easy to understand. But when it happens with our spiritual nature, unfortunately, as we grow up, most children have this ability, but as we grow up, we lose touch with the energy, with the spiritual part of our being. And even worse than that, uh, there is a huge group of people that see that as a woo-woo, as something weird, as something we shouldn't even look into. And this is just as natural part of us as our physical body is. And because most people feel disconnected from their true core, they feel not good enough. And unfortunately, it's a natural consequence. Like you can't, you can use gimmicks, you can use affirmations, you can use all kinds of self delusions to mask it and cover it up for a while and they they inevitably slip. so every mask that you create will crack at some point uh every self-delusion will fall apart at some point unfortunately because they are not true they're not sustainable and if uh, let's say we are in a very pressing very stressful situation quite often Uh, people think that we are our mask. And so their expectations and demands of us are based on what we're trying to sell to them. And quite often, uh, this is where disillusionment and disappointment comes from, because you imagine that someone is their mask when they're not. And so you expect certain things from them. And then when something happens, suddenly you see the real person behind the mask. And that real person is usually not what you expect. And it's usually what not they expect themselves. And quite often it comes as a shock to the system. So to put it briefly is that if we don't connect our spiritual side, and I don't actually like this word because it does sound a bit hippish and I'm aware of it. I wish we had a better term for it, honestly. But if we don't integrate our metaphysical part with our physical part will always feel like something is missing we will always be like we're not good enough we uh, are not self-realized enough and unfortunately that is the place where other people can take advantage of you because there will be someone uh, always coming sometimes with good intentions To help out sometimes with the intentions to sell you on something and make profit but if you are in that place of uncertainty if you don't stand with both your feet on the ground if you're not rooted in your reality if you're not the king and the ruler of your personal reality there will always be someone who will come along and say hey you know what live your life my way and you will be happy and sometimes it can lead to tragic consequences
1: yeah i'm so glad you brought up the mask analogy um and you know you've talked about depression here as well and um there's an interesting video i saw with uh jim carrey talking about like masks and depression and all that kind of stuff and you know, I mean, Jim Carrey has a lot of (laughs) good and bad to him, but, um, there were some really good points that he made about, um, you know, he, he sort of phrased depression as like, you need deep rest from this character that you're playing. And exactly. And he's like, he's like, uh, someone was asking him about acting or something. He's like, or like being Jim Carrey and, you know, he can get a little bit out there, but he had some interesting thoughts where he goes, um, yeah, like Jim Carrey is this like character I put on sometimes to entertain you but when I go home I'm like that's not who I am and he's like I've mastered the ability to be able to like put it on and take it off and and the idea of of playing these different characters or trying to be a certain character I think plays into a lot of this personal development stuff that we're talking about that can get people into traps because you know, if you make your job, your identity, or if you make, you know, this persona, your identity or whatever the thing might be, it's like, oh, I'm the funny person. And so then you're like always mm. trying to be the funny person that is, you know, can be just as dangerous because then you don't allow yourself to ever feel sad or to like ever just be yourself around people. And yeah, uh, massively, exactly. And I, I even like, so my personality is very much like a mediator harmonizing. There's a lot of like, I do a lot of that stuff because I'm a coach and I'm going to be a therapist and all this Mm -hmm. different stuff. And every once in a while, I have to like go into a room and be like, you don't have to fix anything in this room. Like you can just be or be in a bad mood and like not just be like, you know, always trying to smooth things over. And that I think is um, a constant reminder and an attempt to be like, I'm not actually in control of a lot of who I am. Like I, we think we are. And if we buy enough programs, we think we can control every aspect of this. And if we read enough books and if I set up my apartment in the right way with the, if I make sure that the pull-up bar is right there and the clothes is ready to go in before I go to sleep. And I, you know, if I, if I hack all this stuff together, then, then one day I'm going to wake up and just be this perfect, you know, never sad, always you know, hustling being, but that's never, I've never seen someone who just does that perfectly, who isn't also suffering somewhere else. And that's one of the things that I think is so interesting to do. It's like people put, you know, the rock on a pedestal and I'm like, yeah, but the rock went through a divorce, you know, like he's not perfect. No one's perfect. Like, and not that that's a bad thing, but it's just, a thing that people gloss over. They always gloss over the negatives, hyper-focus on the positives, and then assume that it was the working out that made the rock who he is when it's not Mm. the working out that made the rock who he is. It's whatever drove him to work out is what made him who he is, right? And so like- Exactly. Getting to that, what drives us. And I had a conversation in the previous podcast where we were talking about how someone says, well, I'm an attorney, so therefore I act this way. And it's like, no, 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 you act this way. Therefore, you became an attorney in your life and flipping that script around um, so that it focuses more on why you're attracted to these things rather than starting with this is what I want to be and then trying to twist yourself into it. Um, and I feel like that maybe brings us back around to this masculinity piece of everyone has their own view of what masculinity Quote unquote, should be. And there's like mainstream narratives and there's political narratives and there's all this stuff that, you know, we don't want to necessarily go down those roads. But at the end of the day, we have to figure out what it is for the individual, right? And we have to figure out how you are going to approach it in the way that feels right for you. And I'm kind of curious, you know, as you've been doing this work and you've seen people come to terms with themselves, let's say, what, ha- what has, what does that look like? What does it finally look like when we put down the social media and we put down the images and we put down this chase? What does it end up looking like practically? And are there any practical, you know, um, methodologies or activities, or I don't even know what to ask here, but is there anything practical that we can lean on here? that takes us away from all of this sort of hyped up hyper reality that's out there?
0: Luckily, yes. So uh, that's the good news. Yeah, Uh, love your question. And the answer is luckily yes. Uh, There are ways and there are steps and there are techniques that can help you get there. And I would say the main point to start from the foundation is to actually get to understand the core of the masculine principle. So, never mind what the propaganda says, never mind what the uh, social paradigm says, that is pretty much irrelevant. There are certain universal principles that our world is based upon. And what we need to understand, or what would be really helpful for us to understand, is that the feminine and the masculine principle are reflections of the actual. Forces in the universe, namely uh, the magnetic and the electric pole. Okay, so we have with electricity the electric and the magnetic, and this is how current flows, as you know, the difference in the potentials make it flow. And just like that, the difference uh, between the masculine and the feminine principle, the yin and yang makes uh, the energy in the universe flow meaning that that creates life so the interplay of those polarities creates the universe as we know it and this is super important now there is a fundamental difference in the way those two polarities those two principles represent themselves so the main underlying principle that everyone should know who wants to really develop their masculinity is that the fundamental difference from the feminine principle is that the masculine principle goes forward and creates its reality. And the feminine principle adjusts and adopts what is already there. What I want the guys to know is that them being true to their polarity means that they have to step up and assume responsibility for their reality, not for how their life unfolds. And I'm going to explain this in a bit because it's a really important distinction. You have to become the ruler, the king of your reality. And it's super, super important. If you really think that you become happy by surrendering And that's like the worst, the most toxic concept out there. And I know that people copy it like parrots (laughs) from one another because some famous guru said that. But that is extremely, extremely bad. Because if you surrender, it means that you're defeated in your mind. This is how your subconscious works. Your subconscious does not understand subtleties. So if you surrender, it means that you are the victim, that you have been defeated. That's it. And no beautiful, fancy, fluffy unicorn dust spiritual overlays are going to convince your subconscious that it's not so. Which also means that it pulls you further away from where you should be, which is, as I said, the ruler of your reality. Now, what does it mean? It does not mean uh, (laughs) the uh, (laughs) almost uh, hysterical uh, need of the ego to control everything. You know how the ego is always super anxious to keep everything under control. And most people don't know why. They're just like, oh, this is what the ego does. But the ego does it for a reason, actually. There is a reason why the ego behaves that way. And once we understand the reason, it can set us free. So the reason why uh, the ego tries to exercise its control, as I said, in an almost childish stroke, hysterical stroke, urgent way is because it's a dim reflection of who we really are. So our true core, our true nature. Most people don't understand that the ego is simply an interface of the true self of who we are and this reality. This is because as our true selves, we would have a really hard time And I'm in a really hard time interacting with other people, uh, paying your bills, um, even doing shopping. And some of my students actually who reached that point of being their true self were like, how do I live now? Because I don't like, I'm I'm just consciousness. How do I even go do my shopping or meet friends if I'm consciousness? And I said, this is exactly what you use your ego for. So your ego does not be... um, stops being some kind of an enemy that sabotages your life, but instead becomes uh, a tool, as I said, an interface that acts as a bridge between that immense, powerful, infinite, immortal being that you truly are and this mundane reality. So this is something actually like a funnel that allows you to channel your true self into this world. So in most people, unfortunately, Well, at present time anyway, that true consciousness is asleep. It's there, but it's dormant. And because of that, there is no driving force behind the ego. So instead of acting as an interface, it acts as a master. It acts as a driver of the car. Because if the driver is asleep, imagine you're driving a Tesla car, you fall unconscious, and then the car is driving itself. But the car is not the same as you, and it can't substitute your skills. And so as you can imagine, there would be situations where as good as that self-navigating system is, there are certain things that it's not equipped to deal with and it can't cope and it can't crush. So this is where those problems with ego arise. So for example, if someone's consciousness is asleep, they're not there, it's just their ego, their story of self that's running the show, it's still trying to emulate the true self so it's trying to copy like a child would copy an adult it's trying to copy the true self the best it can but it fails because it's not it's not your true essence and so the really panicky uh, way of control that the ego displays is a faint reflection of your true power and how you truly should be crafting your reality. So now we came to the point where um, I'm going to explain how and why it's so important to craft your reality. If you're not in charge of your life, someone else will be. And if you're not in charge of your emotions and your thoughts, again, someone else will be. Your friends, your peers, the society the media whoever else and it can be really sneaky so you may not be ev- even uh, aware that your thoughts and decisions are not coming from you so being your uh, being the ruler of your reality means that a you understand what you stand for as a person so your personal values not the society values not your friends and family and you know your tribe's values your personal values are so you understand that and you have to think of what you need to do and to have, what kind of situations, what kind of circumstances you need to manifest your truth, to grow to the best of your ability. So you imagine those, uh, those circumstances, those situations, those people, and you go and seek them out. For example, if you think, okay, so <clears throat> let's say I want to be better In business or i want to be more charismatic so what do you do you go and connect with the people who are more charismatic the people who can teach you so you get that next step in your evolution and then you can look at the next step and the next step but at the same time you control what you feel and what you think Not in the way that the ego would have it as like, oh, you have to have a total control. You have to be like a robot. You know, everything should be um, put in shelves and boxes and categorized. No, not like that. You need to understand who you are as a human being in terms of what thoughts and emotions run your life currently. This is your first step. So the technique that I recommend to people to begin with is to choose a quiet moment throughout the day and it's best done say five times a day you only need less than a minute so you can do it even if you're really busy. If you're super busy just do it three times a day and all you need to do is to find a quiet place for that moment or two slow down your breathing just a little bit so you're not suffocating you're not struggling yourself slow down your breathing just a little bit and then ask yourself what is it that you are feeling in this very moment and what you're thinking and approach it with an attitude of a scientist or a researcher. So you're not judging. It's like, oh yeah, I mustn't be feeling so sad. That's so bad. No, 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 no. It's not worthy of me. Don't put any judgment on what you're feeling and what you're experiencing in that moment. Simply write the label. So if you were a scientist, a researcher of your own mind, (laughs) so you come with a notepad and go, okay, so I'm sad, frustrated, or happy, elated, excited, and write them down mentally. And then have a think of what are the dominant emotions in your life. What are the most prevalent thoughts that you have during the day. And again, simply notice them at that stage. And if you do it regularly, what you will notice, you will discover the thoughts and the emotions that literally run your life. And from that point, you can then decide whether or not they serve you to manifest your goals, to manifest your growth as a person, to be where you want to be. So you will have a much clearer view of whether or not they're supporting you. And if you discover that they're not supporting you, choose which ones you would like to replace them with. So for example, think, okay, when I'm angry, it doesn't support me. Because if I'm angry with someone, I then break the relationship. I say things that I later regret. And I just can't concentrate for a while after that. And you think, okay, so I've got this energy of anger at my disposal. How can I use it to further my goals? And the easiest way to do it, for example, is through exercise. So you can excuse yourself if you can. Remove yourself from the situation. Go and do some push-ups. Go and do some pull-ups. And usually you may not be motivated to do it, but when you're angry, it becomes super, super easy because you're pumped, right? Or you can go and finish that project that you've been putting off for a while. So use that energy for something else. Don't suppress it, don't negate it, but instead channel it into something that would further you. All that path to your evolution and achieving your goals and your success. So this is your first step uh, towards becoming the ruler of your reality.
1: Very cool. And so the two things that I just want to call out from what you said there that I think are just really good to drive home. Number one, approach your life like a scientist with curiosity rather than as a dictator with a whip and to replace things rather than removing or suppressing things. That you don't want in your life because i think going back to what we talked about with the ice cream example you know if you just remove the ice cream it might give you that moral superiority and that sense that you're moving forward but it's uh it's an it's a negation of who you are rather than maybe replacing it with a better ice cream i don't know or a different treat that maybe is more sustainable over time and you know i i, I know we're at the end here so if Folks are really interested in what you've been talking about and want to learn more, Jay. Where can they find out more about your work and, and what you're doing?
0: The best place is to connect with me through social media, and I do have a website, uh, which is theunbreakable. but if you Google me, my name, JH uh, Stepley, or uh, you go to the Unbreakable Entrepreneur. You will find my YouTube. You will find my Facebook, and specifically, you will find my group on Telegram, where I share content with, which I don't share anywhere else, and we have some really interesting discussions there. And you can interact with me and other students in real in real time as well. So I would say, um, and the easiest way to find my Telegram group is at the back of my books. Uh, You can see this link here and this link will take you directly to Telegram. But as I said, go on Facebook, go on TikTok, uh, go on YouTube, uh, go on Twitter, uh, go on Instagram, and you will find me. And I'm a very sociable person. So by all means, say hello, talk to me. I will be happy to meet you.
1: Very cool. And we'll have all those links in the description for everyone. And Jay, thank you so much for your time today.
0: Thank you for having me on the show. It's been a pleasure.
1: Thanks for joining us for today's episode. If you found this conversation to be helpful, please like and subscribe wherever you are listening. We also appreciate it if you take the time to leave us a review on iTunes. It really does help us spread the word and get these ideas out to more job seekers looking to build their careers and improve their lives just like you. If you'd like to learn more about career therapy and see our different coaching options, you can head over to careertherapy.com to learn more thank you again for stopping by. We wish you all the best in the future of your career. Have a good one.